Welcome to the Vine Podcast. This is Warren, and today Rachel is joining me once again. Hello, Rachel. Hello, hello. And so today we're going to talk about questions, and specifically questions that Jesus asks. I think a common element of of Jesus's parables is is that they drive his audience towards what some scholars call a moment of crisis or a decision. And so we've been looking at parables on Sunday mornings, and that has spilled over into many of our podcast episodes as well. And so today I, I wanted to look at this, this element of Jesus's parable tellings and his ministry in Jesus that, that really features Jesus asking questions. Because again, several of his parables seem to be driving towards this kind of moment of decision. And sometimes Jesus does that very directly and overtly by asking a question of his audience, of a specific listener, towards the end of, of the story that he's telling. And so we see this you know, in a couple of well-known parables. For instance, I, I think we see this prominently at the end of the Good Samaritan story, where at the end of that parable, Jesus asks, who was a neighbor to the man in need? Uh, there's another parable that Jesus tells about two people who each owed a lender money, and one owed a lot, one owed a little, but each of them end up having their debt forgiven so they didn't have to pay any of the money back. And Jesus then asks a question that I think I had differently in my head. He asks them which one will love him more, which I think I had in my head that he asked which one would be more grateful and I don't know why that's the question that I had in my head, mm-hmm. but that's always kind of what had been in my head as far as what Jesus asked there. But it, it's, it's literally there. He says, which one will love him more? The Greek word agape is used in that, in that question. So it is, um, he's, which I just think is an interesting way to end that story that he connects love to that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what else to make of that at this point, but I thought it was interesting. So in terms of the parables... I think we find Jesus ending, ending, this, ending his stories with a question in the times that he does uh, in order to really help kind of drive home a point. That I think we find that it helps, it helps the audience or the listener to draw their, their own conclusions. And it's especially helpful, I think, if you're trying to lead the audience to a conclusion that may be outside of their current kind of perspective or worldview. Mm-hmm. That if you're, if you're encouraging a shift in perspective through the telling of a story that one of the ways that seems like could be helpful to really uh, to really get the the hearer to uh, to understand that or to to get them to where you want to go one of the ways to do that would be by by asking a question and getting them to come to a conclusion and to to state it on their own and you know a lot has been made of going back to the good samaritan parable when jesus asks who was a neighbor to the man in need the man that he asked that to says the one who showed mercy. And so a lot has been made of the fact that he can't even bring himself to say it was the Samaritan. Mm. Um, but he at least says, well, it was, it, was the one, it was the one who showed mercy. And, and so I think asking a question instead of jumping straight to the answer about the meaning of the parable can be a good way to, to help an unexpected conclusion hit home. And so for that reason, I think it's a helpful sort of narrative device to use in parables. And one that we see not only Jesus use, but in the parable that I mentioned Sunday from Isaiah 5, Isaiah uses a a question in in the telling of his story 
as well. And so it's common in parables. We see it elsewhere in Jesus's ministry too, though. But before we broaden it out kind of from there, uh, Rachel, you have anything else to add there as we kind of get going about questions as it relates to parables? Well, I found something interesting. Um, So you mentioned that Jesus often ends a parable with a question, and I think that that purpose is to help the listener make the conclusion on their own, and they're more likely to live it out if they have to come to that mental uh, agreement of their own, not just somebody kind of preaching it at them. But I found a couple places where Jesus asks a question at the beginning of a parable, Um, Mm. and one where it's almost actually a standalone Like the question is the parable, basically. So this is from Luke 6, verse 39. It says, he also told them a parable. Quote, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? That's the parable. (laughs) So the parable is a question Jesus asking, will a blind man be able to lead another blind man? If someone blind is leading another blind person, they're both going to fall. Um, And so the point that Jesus makes from that is that a disciple is not above his teacher, that everyone needs a teacher. Everyone needs to be discipled and have someone who knows more and is further along or has more wisdom and experience that they can follow. So that one is really interesting to me because it's almost that the question is the parable. And it's really short, (laughs) really simple. It's like one verse. Um, And then another one is actually the parable that we read last week. So Jesus starts it with a question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Then he goes on to talk about the foolish builder who built his house on sand. And that's like someone who hears Jesus's words, but then doesn't put them into action. So Jesus starts that parable with a question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? So I think that's kind of interesting because I think we typically teach, we kind of lay out our points, and -hmm. then we have the conclusion at the end with the application, and here's the takeaway. But Jesus flips that and he in these two cases at least starts with the question or the question is almost a standalone parable yeah and and you know even as, as you were saying that it sort of made me think that it seems like a lot of his parables also are told in response to questions that's true that yeah. someone will ask a question of jesus mm-hmm. and instead of answering it directly he will tell a story yeah uh, sometimes that begins with a question of his own, as you're saying, but but then there are others where he just kind of launches off into a story, um, which again all seems to be driving at this idea of of helping the helping to drive home the point, helping mm-hmm. the point to stick to mm-hmm. sink in, which I think is something that you said either just now or in our conversation beforehand. <laughs> that it it helps it helps it to sink in. It helps it helps the listener, the the audience, the reader for us now to. To have to think about how how we process that, and mm-hmm. it, it makes it engages the listener and the audience a little more directly and a little a little deeper than just giving an answer. Right. And so I had sort of been thinking about these questions, like I said, in connection to the parables, but then thinking about it kind of broader than that. As I said, uh, questions are a common part of Jesus's 
teachings, uh, communication styles. We, we see it across his kind of interactions with other people. And so I did, I, I found a book that, that someone wrote called um, Jesus. I think the book is called Jesus is the Question. Yeah. And so I admittedly have not read the book, so I can't, so this is just, um, this is a very cursory kind of knowledge of this book, but Jesus is the Question is the title of the book. And in this book, Martin Copenhaver, mm-hmm. I may or may not be pronouncing his last name right, he's the president of Andover Newton Theological School and a member of the Yale Divinity School Dean's Advisory Council. So it sounds like I'm introducing a guest, but I'm inter- mm-hmm. I'm saying that just to Surprise! Say, he's here today! That would be great, right? <laughs> he's not here today. But I'm giving his credentials just to say I haven't I haven't gone through and checked all this guy's work by, yeah. by uh, going through all the Gospels. But he, for instance, says that Jesus asks 307 questions throughout the Gospels. And that's why I say I didn't go through and count, but I'm going to take his word for it that... Um, that he did and that some of that depends on kind of interpretation and where you put punctuation and all that. I saw another estimate of 339 questions, mm-hmm. whatever number you go with, it seems to be a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in the description of this book specifically, it says Jesus asks 307 questions. He is asked 183 of which he only answers three. <laughs> Asking questions was central to Jesus's life and teachings. Mm. And so again, without going through and kind of checking the math on all that, it does seem to line up with what I think some things I've always kind of felt about Jesus and his teachings, that for one thing, whenever he does ask questions, well, I mean, whenever he is asked questions by others, it seems like his answers, his direct answers are rare. Mm. That usually he will answer in a way that doesn't really answer the question at all, or he will tell a story, or he will ask that person a question in return. And that seems to be very prevalent throughout his, his ministry, as does his tendency to ask people questions in many different scenarios. And, and so we want to get into some of that, of maybe some things that we can take from that, learn from that, not only about Jesus, but kind of in our own lives and study and interactions and, and things like that. And so I want to kind of spend a little bit of time, though, on maybe some of those questions. So, Rachel, do you have, do you have any favorite or, or most memorable or humorous or, or meaningful questions that Jesus asks over the course of his ministry? I think the most important or one of the most important questions is, who do you say that I am? When he asks his disciples about their interpretation or belief of his identity. And I think that that's a question that we all wrestle with and ask ourselves. Like even as we grow in our relationships with Jesus, I've gone through periods where I've thought about the Trinity and like, is it right to exalt Jesus so much the way that we do in Protestantism? Or do we need to like bring him down a little bit and talk more about the father, you know? And I think that that comes to that question of who do you say that I am? Like, am I God (laughs) is the biggest one. Am I the Messiah? Am I the saving one? Um, So I think that one resounds and continues to ring throughout the generations and has a lot of implications for us today. And then Jesus asked questions like, do you believe? 
Do you believe that I can do this for you? Will you give up your life for me? Can you drink from the cup that I'm about to drink from? Do you also want to leave? <laughs> Why are you sleeping? Who are you looking for? Um, Jesus asked so many questions, and I think that um, it showed the way that he interacted personally with people in his ministry, that he kind of met people where they were and then took them to the next level and challenged them. And then I think a lot of those questions still have um, devotional and um, impactful life applications for us today. Yeah, you know, when, when we were talking about this, I was trying to think of kind of specific questions that Jesus asked. And so kind of, I wanted to just kind of go through some of it. And so what I did, I turned to, I started going through John because John has a lot of conversations that Jesus mm -hmm. has with people, usually has some longer conversations. And so I just started going through John. And I think just in John, there are a lot of, to me, interesting questions that Jesus asked. Like for instance, mm -hmm. it's in John, uh, when, when Jesus's mom comes and involves him at the wedding feast, mm -hmm. Jesus says, woman, why do you involve me? Mm -hmm. It's just a great question. That he has <laughs> his mom. Um, it's also where, so when John talks about the feeding of the 5,000, that kind of begins with Jesus asking the disciples, where shall we buy bread for these people to mm. eat? Which is, I think in one of the Gospels, almost says like he wanted to test them. Yeah. But it seems to me that Jesus knows what he's about to do. Mm -hmm. But he's just going to kind of begin that process by asking the disciples, hey, what do you, what do you guys think we should do here? Yeah. How can we feed all these people? Mm -hmm. Just to see what they're going to say. What's mm -hmm. their response going to be? And then there's another time when he asks the disciples a question. This is after... Uh, the disciples come to him and they say, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Mm. So it's another. So they've asked a question of Jesus. And in response, Jesus just says, does this offend you? So this huh. is such a great response. Whoa. What translation is that and where? Let me see. Um, do you know? You asked. <laughs> Sorry, the hard questions. It's, that was the NIV. Uh -huh. I don't remember exactly where it was. Does this offend you? Does this offend you? But it's such a great... Yeah. Because, you know, the, the disciples are coming to him like... Look, Jesus, you know, this is some difficult stuff you're telling people. Yes. And Jesus doesn't deny that. He's uh -huh. just like, well, okay, does that offend you? Is that yeah. bad? <laughs> um, and and kind of goes from there. Mm. And and so I think, you know, I think there's a lot that we can kind of take from, from this approach that Jesus has. Mm. And, and one of the things... One of the things that I think we, we can take from it is just there is great there's great power and, and potential in good questions. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we are people who want answers. Mm -hmm. And and we want you know, we have got Google, we've got endless yes. information at our, at our disposal where yeah. if I if I want to know something, if I want an answer to something, I've, I've got endless number, endless number of places where I can go and find I already it. have the answers to the questions I just asked you. It's KJV John 6, 61. Doth this offend you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so we, we want answers. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think just thinking about the questions that Jesus asked reminds me personally of, of the impact and the power of good questions. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes maybe then always, sometimes it, it could be more important, I think, at times to ask the right question than it could be to kind of be in an endless search 
for answers. Mm. That, that maybe at times asking the right question is, is the most important thing in order to help, to help lead us in a, in a healthy, in a positive, in a, in a growth-oriented yeah. direction. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And I think the fact that God asked questions through Jesus showed Jesus' relational approach. So he was in partnership with his disciples asking, where should we get food for these people? He wanted to involve them and mm-hmm. kind of bring them into the process and the problem. And I think that that probably made the miracle even more amazing and satisfying to them because they were thinking, oh no, where are we going to get food? Like, what are we going to do? They were, you know, trying to think through problem solving. And I think Jesus was basically showing them like, I am the question and I'm the answer. Um, and so I think that he he asked questions to um, to draw out faith mm. and to make the the reward of the answer even more meaningful because you were part of the process in getting there. And I think uh, his questions also helped people to flesh out their thoughts and kind yeah. of revealed the core of their hearts too, like what's actually going on in your heart and got to the root of the issue rather than all the fluffy and the cover stuff around it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, you know, thinking about that with the Good Samaritan, I mean, not the Good Samaritan, uh, the feeding of the Mm 5,000 that that you're referencing again there, you know, yeah, it does seem different. It seems like it would have a different impact if Jesus just like pulls Philip over. Because I think in one of the accounts it says he asked Philip directly. Like if Jesus just pulls Philip over and says, hey, that guy's got a bunch of fish and bread. Mm -hmm. Go get it. I'm going to distribute it to everyone. Like that would obviously be amazing, mm-hmm. but it's a different process than than making Philip and the other disciples wrestle with it first. Yeah. Like, but well, how would we even do that? Because mm-hmm. you know, then they go, well, you know, we'd have to have take all this money and yeah, everything's closed. Like we're a long way from everywhere. Uh-huh. Like they have to go through all the steps that it would take in their mm-hmm. mind for them to do that before even thinking it's a possibility of. Well, what if we just multiplied this fish? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it does seem like it would have a lot more impact, and it, it's a way of yeah, forcing you to think through some things and maybe even wrestle with your own doubt and questions mm. that you have before he unveils this great right. thing that he's going to do. Yeah, I think it goes back to the mystery that we talked about a long time ago, that that God brought the Jewish people through this long process of waiting for the revealing of the mystery. And I think a lot of the questions that Jesus asked are getting at that of, do you realize that I'm revealing the mystery, that I am the Messiah that you've waited for, and are you going to put your faith in me? Yeah. And I think, you know, we, kind of going back to our tendency to want answers, I think we, we typically ask questions in order to to ascertain in information or to mm-hmm. learn something. It's kind of information download. I'm asking questions because I want to know something. Mm-hmm. But, but the motivation for Jesus is obviously different. Um, and it seems like Jesus, Jesus asked questions um, so that those, who, those who, he, who he is asking the question to can learn something about themselves, about God, Uh, about the kingdom Mm -hmm. so it seems like it's almost reversed like we usually ask questions so that we can learn something yeah 
But Jesus seems to be asking them so that the other person can learn something, hmm. so that the other person can come to some realization or have to wrestle with something. Yeah. And, and I think, to me, that's helpful in thinking about even just, so how do I utilize and think about questions in my relationships, mm-hmm. in, in terms of teaching, in terms of... Uh, you know, parenting, yeah. what, what are good questions that I can ask my kids? Mm. Not because I want to know about their day or what they're doing, but because I want them to think about something a little deeper. Yeah. Because I think when we think about it that way, you know, I do think that questions, if we think about what questions do, mm-hmm. I think they help us to, to think critically. They, they create an environment where, where different voices and perspectives are, are valued and are mm-hmm. heard. They can help create conversations. They can help deepen relationships. And and it takes some work to do it that way. It takes It's, it's not as easy as always yeah. just kind of giving the answer. And it, it takes genuine interest and investment in another person a mm-hmm. lot of times. But I think, I think what we find in Jesus' ministry is that there's, there's great value and potential in, in taking the time to do those things. Yeah. I just feel like my head is spinning now with questions of like, if Jesus asked so many questions and only answered a few of them, like, how do we, how do we have the answers? You know, like, how do we make sure that we, we got what it was that he was trying to convey if he kept asking questions and not always answering them? See, this is the beauty of questions, because then, <laughs> then you have to wrestle with your own questions. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And then you talked about relationships. Like, if we're asking thoughtful or just good questions to the people that we're in relationships with, but it's not necessarily for us to get an answer, to get information, but hope that, that it will draw something out of them or help some, them to grow like you would with your children. Like, but then do you still listen for the answer, (laughs) you know, or is it just a process for them? Do you then Mm. listen to their answer so that you can ask another follow-up question? Um, Or what what might that look like in relationships with people around you? What are you thinking? Yeah, sometimes, yeah, it almost seems like maybe the questions we ask of our kids... um, Maybe almost sound like a lawyer in a courtroom. Like we're trying to lead them towards yes, like the you place need to that get we to want them conclusion. to end up. Yeah, which I do think is what Jesus is doing. So he's trying to mm. lead people to to the place that he wants them to. Mm. But but yeah, what is, what does it look like to ask to ask our kids questions that encourage curiosity and exploration? Mm-hmm. Is is something I think that this conversation has made me think about. Yeah. Um, or what does it look like in a, in a class or a small group setting mm-hmm. to ask good questions? Yeah. And I think that made me think of just thinking through that. I was reminded as you were, as you were kind of talking there about when I was a youth minister, I think about this sometimes when I was a youth minister, I asked a question in a class and it was kind of a question towards the beginning of um, of class and it was sort of like an obvious it was an observation question about the text mm-hmm. you know something that was fairly obvious and I remember one of the students telling me afterwards um, she said she told me she's a very outspoken student so she said Warren she said don't ask us questions that you already know the answer to she said we get asked questions all day in school that we already know the answer mm-hmm. to and 
and like we don't want to do that uh-huh. here. Wow. Um, which I thought was an interesting way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think like that informed that did inform then kind of how I asked questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think there are times when it's helpful from a teaching perspective to ask questions you already know the answer to. Yeah. Um, I think that that is part of it. But I also think it, it made me re-examine, like, why am I asking this? Am mm-hmm. I asking this out of a genuine kind of curiosity? Am I asking this because I'm genuinely curious in what other people, how other people would answer it? Yeah. Or am I asking it because I want to lead the conversation in this direction mm-hmm. and, and I kind of already have an answer in mind? Mm-hmm. And I found that, like, that can be helpful sometimes. Yeah. But I don't think it's the best way to go about asking questions. Mm-hmm. I think questions that genuinely spark curiosity or that, that are genuinely sparked by curiosity are, are usually better. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I think of like in marriage, you know, you see the same person every day. Maybe you, you leave in the morning, you come back at night and you could ask like, how was your day? <laughs> or these kind of generic questions that we probably say, pretty often but maybe there are are better ways of asking those questions that could get at the heart of of what is my spouse need in this moment how can I bless them um or what is maybe a joy that they experience that I want to celebrate too or something you know maybe there are better questions we can ask in relationships with people that are closer to us than just like, how was your day? I don't know. Do you like that question? Is that a good one? <laughs> Is which question? A good how one? was your day? Or No, I, I think I agree with you. Cause I think even just cause even just asking that question a little differently would probably help change it up because like if, because it becomes so routine, mm-hmm. we typically just say, oh, I was fine mm-hmm. or oh, it was good or bad or whatever. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that may spark further conversation but oftentimes it doesn't yeah but if even if you just said tell me about a time that you laughed today mm, yeah like that's good. going that does something different mm-hmm. then then it, it kind of again it, it kind of forces more thought and and then forces more direct interaction yeah and yeah yeah I think, that. I think that that a lot of Jesus's questions were relationally motivated too. Like, he mm-hmm. wanted them to see how much he loved them. Like, I think of the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. He asked her questions. And I think that he was trying to show her, like, I'm interested in you personally. And I love you and I care about you. And I want to have a relationship with you that's different than the relationships you've had with all these other men or all these other people in your life. So, yeah, I think questions that are that have a heart and a relationship motivation are, are typically going to be well-received by people around us. Mm, yeah. And, and I, my, my favorite question, at least that I've come across in scripture, and I think I've referenced it on one of our podcast episodes, it's not necessarily from, from Jesus, but from an angel. So, you know, same, mm. whatever. Yes, I right. know. Um, but when, when an angel asks yeah. Hagar in, in the desert, where, where have you come from and where are you going? Mm-hmm. It's just a question that, that seems to make Hagar know that she's seen mm-hmm. and recognized and understood and loved and kind of all those things that someone sees me and cares enough to ask right. um, where, where I've been and where I'm going. And, 
And so I think that's, you know, that's just another aspect of questions. They can help, can help someone feel seen and mm-hmm. heard and appreciated. Yeah. If you, if you're genuinely interested enough to ask someone about their story, about yeah. their life, about what God is doing with them, about where they experienced pain in the last week, where mm-hmm. they, what victories they've had recently, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, again, as you were kind of getting at that maybe deeper ways of asking, how was your day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But I think Jesus's questions are more about like faith. But yeah, that, that question of the angel, I love those too. That's one of my favorite stories in scripture as well. Um, because Hagar names God, the God who sees. And yeah. so she has this personal encounter and relationship with God, which leads me into a question that I have. Um, do you think that God still interacts with us through questions today? Because Jesus asked a lot of questions in scripture and God would ask people questions, maybe through angels. Do you find that being true in your relationship with God? Or have you heard other people tell stories about how God has asked them a question that's personal to them? Given the nature of our conversation today, it doesn't feel like I should answer that with a direct question. (laughs) Tell me a story. It feels like I should have this parable. Yeah. This is where, slight tangent, I do think this is where the the parables become quite amazing, is that Mm. if you think of Jesus being asked a question like that, Uh and then just on the spot being like, there were two men who were on the road. Um, So, my initial, though, reaction or answer to that question, I think would be, if I'm going to think about my life, I think it would be sort of moments prompting me to ask questions Mm -hmm. or maybe God working in my life to sort of bring me to a place of, of decision. Mm -hmm. And, and that's why I kind of like the language of crisis moment in the, to kind of bring it back to parables that like, I think that's why I connect with that language of scholars saying like Jesus is bringing people to this kind of crisis moment, decision moment in Mm -hmm. the parables. Because I think there have been like turning points in my faith journey where I was brought to not like a crisis of faith moment, but this moment where I was like, okay, now I'm going to have to make a decision about something. Yeah. Um, what, what do I actually think or believe about mm-hmm. this? What is driving that belief? Yeah. Um, why, is, why is my behavior in this instance not mirroring what I claim to believe? Things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I guess I would originally, I would just kind of off the cuff think of, for me at least, is kind of God and and the spirit and my faith journey bringing me towards those kinds of decision moments and questions that I feel like I've been asked or prompted to ask myself. Yeah. I don't know if that's where you're going with that. What would be your answer? Do you have a thought? Well, I was trying to think of me personally and my walk with God. And I feel like I have had those major decision moments too. And... I think that there are some, there's one instance I can think of, and this is kind of a longer story, but um, where I felt like God was asking me to sacrifice my dream of living in Africa, ministering in Africa. So this was in college before I had moved there. And when I had been praying for years and years for that, and my education, my classes, everything was geared towards that. And I don't really remember it being quite in question form, but 
it, I guess the essence was basically, will you give me this? Mm. And my answer was yes. <laughs> <laughs> As in, will, um, you, will you give this up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, but... So that kind of gets towards what are you what are you actually driving towards? Yeah. Right? So is is living in Africa yeah. the goal or no, is it, I remember the, is it the, the part question. of the goal? I remember the question now. It was basically, do you love me more than you love Africa or the mm-hmm. dream of Africa? And um, and it was like, yes, obviously. And I think that for me in that moment, it was not that God needed to know the answer, but that I needed to deal with that question. Um, mm. And to, to see what my answer was, you know, coming from me. I needed God to ask me that question so that I could know the answer and I could go through the, some of the pain mm. and the process of figuring that out um, and getting to the answer. So I think that's, that's one time in where I feel like God sort of asked me a question but there's been a lot of times where I think I've asked God questions mm-hmm. and and a lot of times where I think he's answered. <laughs> um, so like one question I asked was like, should I marry Hezzy? And I felt like God's answer was like, you're free to, like if you want to. Like if you want to, it's good, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Like, I just felt like God gave me this freedom of this isn't like a predetermined, nailed down thing that I have for you, but that as a daughter in Christ, someone who's walking with me and seeking my my will, like, this is within my will. And if you don't, you're not really outside of it either. Yeah. Um, And so I think that there have been times where God has asked me questions and times when I've asked him questions, too. Mm, That's good. And I think, you know, going back to what you were saying about God already knowing the answer, that's what, you know, I was kind of thinking of that earlier when I shared that story about the, the teenager who asked me that, who told me that about not asking questions you already know the answer to. I do think that is, like, there are times, certainly when Jesus asks questions that mm-hmm. he already knows the answer to. And he's, I think it's, it's mostly teachable moments, it seems like, mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're wanting to do that. And so there are different types of questions. There's ones that, that are asked out of curiosity, ones that are told for teachable reasons. And so maybe in those cases, there, there would be times to ask a question you already know the answer to, because as you said, it's gonna help that other person deal with something on their own mm-hmm. or come to some type of realization on their own. And going back to kind of thinking about the parenting side of that, you know, there may be a time when, you know, I ask one of my kids something that, you know, I may know that they did something, but I'm going to, you know, you know, Isley, did you do this? Like, uh-huh. and I'm asking her not because I don't know, mm-hmm. but because I want her to have to say, mm-hmm. yes, I did that, but yeah. confess to it almost, mm. um, to, to own up to it to an extent. And mm-hmm. so, so I think that, that just kind of reminded me there are, there are all kinds of different questions that have different purposes and, and motivations and, and reasons for being asked. And, and I just think to, to me, thinking about this with, with Jesus and his ministry and, and the way that he went about things is, is an encouragement to think about that in terms of what questions we ask of others, what questions we ask mm-hmm. of God, what questions we're willing to wrestle with in our, in our own lives, in our own journeys, what questions we ask together as community, and, and that there's value in that. 
And so b- before we kind of wrap up, I want to read um, part of Matthew 6, because there's a portion of Matthew 6 where Jesus asks a bunch of questions, and they're all kind of thrown in together. I think a lot of them are rhetorical, but when I read this passage, specifically in the context of Jesus asking questions, I think I noticed something that that Mm -hmm. I hadn't really ever kind of paid attention to. So this is Matthew 6, 25 through 31. It's a well-known, for many of us probably, kind of section of Matthew 6. But in this part, uh, Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So there he's asking a question that I think he's obviously meaning to be rhetorical. Um, And that's going to be kind of a theme as as we go through this. So he keeps going. Look at the birds of the air. They They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any, of, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? So I want to stop there with those questions. He keeps going from there, of course. But I, I think the thing that I noticed in looking at this today, kind of in connection to this conversation, is that I almost hear Jesus' rhetorical questions there almost culminating in an invitation to rethink the questions that we ask ourselves. Because mm-hmm. um, that seems to be kind of what he's driving there at the end. He says, so why worry about what shall we eat? Right. What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Almost as if he's encouraging us to ask some different questions. Mm-hmm. To, what, so what questions am I asking of myself? And, and what do those indicate about what my true priorities are, about where my faith is? about what I'm valuing in my life, um, are they indicative of, of this realization that, that God will provide, that God loves me, that God cares for me? Mm-hmm. All, all of those things that may go into those questions. And I, I've, um, yeah, I don't think I'd ever kind of viewed it through that lens of him flipping it to, to kind of ending all those series of questions with, a series of questions that he kind of poses that, that we may ask of ourselves mm-hmm. in ways that aren't, aren't the best for us to go about asking questions. Yeah, yeah, and I think the key point is a shift in focus from worrying about all of your needs to seeking the kingdom of God first. And Jesus, actually, in the parables, he asks questions about the kingdom of God. He says, what is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God like? What can I compare it to? And then goes on and tells parables. So maybe part of the point is to think about the kingdom of God and to ask questions about the kingdom of God. And what is it like? What does it look like in my life? And how can I make sure that I'm living that out rather than worrying about money and food like everybody else and people who don't believe in God. Um, how can I be different in the questions that I'm asking in a way that, that I apply them to my life? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. 
See, so this, this sort of, this, this conversation, this exercise for me has been a reminder and encouragement to, to do those things, to think about the questions that I'm asking of myself and to mm. think about what, what do they reveal, to, to think about the questions I ask of others, to be creative and intentional about that. And then, then I think also, and this will, I guess, you know, this may be an element of it that we may not have touched on quite extensively yet, but I think that the last thing that I've kind of been encouraged with in kind of thinking through this is to also honor the questions that others ask of us, mm. whether that's within in the church, whether it's people outside the church for me, whether, you know, it's, it's as a, a parent uh, to kind of go back to parenting. Like I know there are some times when, you know, I probably don't fully value or appreciate mm. the questions one of my kids asks. Right. Um, and, and that maybe part of appreciating the value and the power of questions is is honoring the questions that others ask as well. Mm. And that doesn't always have to mean answering in a very direct, straightaway answer. Yeah. That sometimes the more impactful thing to do, the, the thing that would be more investment and more relationally deepening would be to ask a question in return mm. or to to help that person figure out or come to, why are you asking that question? Yeah. What are you really getting at? What are you wanting to know in asking it? Mm -hmm. And and that sometimes the honoring of the question can actually be about more than giving a straight, direct answer. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. All right. Anything else to close us out today, Rachel? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Well, let me actually sh share a little bit of what I found here on the questions of Jesus. So this is, if you wanted to have a bit of a devotional approach, this is a suggestion that I found um, actually from First Congregational United Church of Christ in Eugene, Oregon. Okay. So they said, one way to deal with the vast array of questions is to read them aloud without commentary, context, or citation, preferably in a group. And then after you have finished reading a question, don't immediately reach for a Bible to determine its context, but just sit with the question for a time. Take note of any question that seems to jump out at you without knowing why. Um, and then you could ask, which, which question do you find most comforting, most challenging? Is there a question you find yourself running toward, away from? Is there a question you wish Jesus had asked? Um, is there a question you wish he hadn't asked? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so those are kind of some devotional thoughts. Um, if you're interested in this full list of questions um, that I have, it's five pages and breaks up questions that Jesus asks into categories of invitation, identity, kingdom, and stuff like that. Um, so I think there's definitely a lot that we could do just with the questions of Jesus devotionally and um, for our own spiritual growth or even as a community, that could be a fun exercise. Yeah, maybe maybe that could be something we could do on a Wednesday night yeah. sometime soon. So stay tuned. See if we still <laughs> think that's a good idea <laughs> in the days or weeks ahead. I think it could be good, though. That sounds interesting, an yeah. interesting endeavor. All right. Well, we'll close there then. Rachel, thanks again for, for spending some, some time thinking about this today. You want to close us in prayer today, Rachel? Yes. Let's pray. Lord, what can we say to you? Thank you for your blessings and your love and your word and for 
helping us to think deeply about what you said and a long time ago and what you're still saying to us now. Would you help us to, um, to pay attention to the questions that you ask of us and be open to the spirit moving in, in each of us individually to hear what you may be asking of us and also give us wisdom to know what to ask of others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.